Hello, and welcome to New Jersey is the World. Hi, Chris. Uh, my name is Emily uh, from Morristown, two O's, not two R's. And a couple of days ago, I left a voicemail that was pretty uh, mild in comparison to what I just heard on the first episode of Voice from the Jug Handle, where I said, you know, uh, I'm from South Jersey, people are from North Jersey, and within the state, you know, we have our, our disputes, but when we go out of state, we're, I think, our loyalty should be to each other. And I stand by that, but after just hearing that first episode, why are people from North Jersey so mad? What are you mad about? Are you mad that when I walk out my door in South Jersey... I can go to the Pine Barrens, 1.1 million acres of beautiful open land, and when you walk out your door, you break your ankle in a pothole on the sidewalk? Is that what you're mad about? I don't get it. I don't get it. If you guys hate South Jersey so much, stop coming here, stop picking up all the parking in Ocean City, and stop building your McMansions in Sea Isle. Thanks, guys. Talk to you again soon. Hey, Chris. My name's Hans. I grew up in uh, Saddlebrook, New Jersey, which is in Bergen County. I uh, used to take trips down to Seaside Heights with my family during the summers, and uh, I remember I must have been around eight or nine years old. I remember reading through the T-shirts in the stands, and one of them said, Tongue Punch My Fart Box. And it was on a mannequin that looked so sad to be wearing that shirt. Anyway, I just thought I would share that with you. Thanks a lot, man. Keep it real. Hi, Chris. How you doing? My name is Lee. I'm from North Jersey. I've lived all over New Jersey, um, mostly North Jersey, Passaic, Morris County. So I know a lot of the places you speak of and write of. Uh, I also went to school at Stockton, so I have a lot of Pine Barren stories as well. But the story that I'm going to tell is the one you asked me to call about, which is my jungle habitat story. So my whole family, you know, we were kids growing up in the 70s and 80s, so, like, we basically were unmonitored. But we used to take these trips every once in a while to, like, space farms or jungle habitat or, you know, gingerbread castle, fairy tale forest, land of make-believe, one of those freaky places. So jungle habitat, we all piled in to my parents' Uh, station wagon. I had two sisters, my mom, my dad, and we each had a friend. So there were eight of us in this big white station wagon going to jungle habitat, to the safari. And so I used to get migraines. And as you know, in a safari, you can't roll down the windows. And I would vomit. So I was getting very close to the vomiting part. So for whatever reason, we had a Wonder Bread bag that I was supposed to vomit into if I felt like I couldn't hold it. And then... We got to this point where monkeys jumped on the hood of our car and started masturbating um, frantically and um, successfully, and I threw up in the Wonder Bread bag. Nobody could open the windows. We were all trapped in this disgusting car with puke all over the Wonder Bread bag and this monkey doing the godforsaken thing. So I didn't know what it was until the next day when I heard my mom on the phone with her sister saying, oh, Lou threw up because uh, a monkey was jerking off on the car. So I learned quite a bit that day, and uh, that's my jungle habitat story. So thank you. I'm a big fan, and uh, talk to you soon.
Hey, Chris, it's Kyle. I live in Woodbridge, but I've lived all over the state. Listened to the first episode of the podcast. Wonderful. And it prompted me to call because I want to tell you about the time that I worked for one month during the Fright Fest season at Great Adventure. I have a lifetime of stories for my one month working there, but I want to tell one specific story. Uh, it was a night, uh, a Saturday before Halloween. Uh, we get told that there's a club up in Brooklyn that has a promotion where they rent a bus, bunch of buses to ship people down to Jackson, New Jersey, ride the ride, go back, and dance the night away at the club. But they tell them that it is neutral gang territory if anyone's in a gang, and that is why it's referred to as gang night. I don't have a better, less problematic name for that at the moment, but that's what it was called. And if that was the case, and they said neutral gang territory, um, it was not... Uh, <laughs> listen to it all because there was 26 fights in one hour which happened to coincide with my lunch break I came back from the backstage cast member area to pure and total carnage around me I had no idea everyone had dispersed but it was a mess I asked my co-worker uh, who, what happened he had no idea we found out from a guest who needed a replacement from a keychain that there was a big brawl and that Punches were thrown, people were thrown against walls, someone threw a metal garbage can at someone else. It rained that night. They, the park told us that we couldn't close down the photo booth because if it stopped raining and they got back on the ride and they saw that it was closed, they were afraid they were going to cause more chaos. During the rain, people stole picnic table umbrellas. Someone ran into the photo booth, antique photo booth stand where... Uh, my friends were working, saw a prop gum, which we definitely did not replace by the end of the year. We all told stories in the night between the, the Kodak crew that worked there. I'm actually late to the work the next day because of how late I got home. I'm driving down the turnpike. Oh, no, 195. And I get pulled over by a state trooper. And the trooper's like, how, why were you going so fast? I'm like, I'm going to work. He's like, where do you work? I'm like, great adventure. And he goes, how bad was it last night? Because he had heard from the night before, and even though I was doing like probably 100 down 195, he only gave me a non-moving violation, no points for a ticket. So, yeah. Thanks for the uh, podcast. Uh, hope to hear more soon. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Welcome to New Jersey is the world. Welcome back. Have to say, we've been so excited about the momentum we're gathering. Everybody who listened to the first episode of our free monthly show, thank you. Everybody who signed up at the Patreon, thank you. And if you want to check out the Patreon, it's at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world and you get a ton of bang for your buck. I promise you, ask anybody who signed up for this thing. They're going to say, these people are, are going big and trying to bring it. And we are... And we are. Thank you so much. And if you want to check out any of our merch, any of our merch, belowthecollar.com slash Chris Gethard. That's belowthecollar.com slash Chris Gethard. You check it out. We got a ton of great shirts there. And uh, if you're on the Patreon, the $5, $10 tier, you get big discounts. That $10 tier, you get 25% off. So if you're thinking about joining the Patreon, order your shirts after that. Save yourself a couple bucks on that. Remember, everybody, one of the most important things is the voicemails. You just heard a few of them. Okay, thank you to everybody who's been leaving voicemails. These things are coming in. They are blowing my mind. I'm the one. I personally go through the voicemails first to uh, download them and label them. And it's just a, it's one of the real sources of joy in my life right now. So thank you so much for that. And uh, a lot of them show up on one of our Patreon shows, Voices from the Jug Handle. 
It's like 40 minutes of voicemails curated by the Colonel Carson Cop. You also get Don Finelli's food reviews. Jersey Dude reviews Jersey food. $10 tier gets unboxing videos. You also get a show that's a Q&A show. Garden State Gagoots. Outsiders get to ask questions about New Jersey. You get Fizzy Boys. You get those merch discounts I mentioned. And of course, all those shows are spread out. And anything you hear from them, if you want to respond, add to them, fight about something you think we missed the missed the mark, 973 780-4660. That's 973-780-4660. I mentioned that the great Don Finelli, Bergen County's own Don Finelli, he does Jersey Dude Reviews Jersey Food. Last month you heard Jimmy Buffs. He talked a lot about the chi of oil and how important that chi is in cooking. And this month he's covering something near and dear to a lot of Jersey people's hearts. Subs. Specifically, White House subs in Atlantic City. For these people who are used to Subway, Blimpies, Quiznos, yeah, yeah, yeah. you bite into a White House sub. Yeah. Is it even the same sandwich? No way, because like, you know, Subway sandwiches are meant to taste the same, right? And they do. Like, no matter where you go to get a Subway sandwich, that's the purpose of fast food chains, right? Like, their whole goal is to be like, you can have McDonald's in Maine or Florida. It's gonna, You're going to have the same thing. Or Shanghai, yeah. Or Shanghai, exactly, right? You can have it out of the States. Same shit, right? This tasted like your favorite deli sub, man. There was just some, it's like they have their specific bread, and everything, how that meat's packed in there, the quality of the meat, I'd say, right? Like quality or cold cuts make a big difference, even though you're like, they're cold cuts. Who gives a shit? It's like imported shit is good. Okay. It's a lot of the times better than what we have here. So, you know, if you're, if you're importing ham and, and, and what they're doing there, I think the meats were above average and just how their construction, man, like you got to construct a good sandwich. You got to construct a sandwich that can travel across the country, but not necessarily needs to be constructed in another state. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it's going to be constructed in Jersey, but this can travel to anywhere else and it will taste like it is from where we made it. Again, everybody, if you want the full episode of Jersey Dude Reviews Jersey Food, all about White House subs in Atlantic City, go ahead, you sign up patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world $10 tier you get videos of Don cooking and eating and the unboxing of these things sometimes he's in his pajamas it's great check it out and again if you've had an experience at White House subs a great experience a bad experience if you saw something insane go down in the line or you have a sub place that you want to say is the best you've ever found in New Jersey 973-780-4660 call up Let's make it happen. Now, you just met Don. Okay. If you listen to episode one, you know that Don's also part of the Garden State Gagoots, which is our super group in Wotown, which you'll hear later. And Don come together and uh, do a big mashup episode Q&As from Outsiders. It's like that time Don Rickles just invaded Johnny Carson's set. Remember that? Walked in. Great clip. Great clip. You get a uh, full hour of this Q&A over at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. And if you're out there, you're not from New Jersey, you want to ask a question about it, 973-780-4660. Check out a little bit of what we got coming at you this month. Any question you have about New Jersey, you let us know. Leave a voicemail. In the meantime, Nat. Hi, my name is Nat, and I'm from... um 
San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> um, I'm asking this question because I genuinely am curious. What do you distinguishes New Jersey as someplace that's someplace that like that you're from, like as a state or as a place in the country or in the world? Because I associate it with like you know, sort of tough like New York, but also like suburban and dirty like Pennsylvania. And I don't know. So I don't know, like, like, and I always think about this, like, if I had a kid and, and we were, and, and the kid was born in New Jersey, I feel like I would be like, oh, man, that's a bummer. My kid's from, my kid will have to say from there on, like, that they're from New Jersey. But I don't mean that as a bad thing. It's more like, just because I don't know what makes it a distinguishing place to say that you're from. Like, to me, it's like New York light. Pennsylvania, but just not Please. Pennsylvania. So this carriage is genuinely curious what distinguishes it from other states, either in the Northeast or just generally in the country to you that make it be like a notable, cool place to be from. Now this question, everybody else. this question clearly had good intentions, but uh, <laughs> Nick, you reacted to the same thing I did, which was when, when that said, I would be, uh, I would not know what to say if I raised kids in New Jersey like, no, it was more like, oh, I'd feel bad like if I had if I lived in New Jersey and I had my kid there and they were from New Jersey. Like, where the fuck are you from? San Antonio, uh, Texas was the uh, yeah, state of Fucking Texas. That's like another country. <laughs> no, let's not mess. <laughs> the phrase is legit. Their motto, don't mess with Texas. I'm not looking. If some no, Texas podcast like is Texas. out there. I think it's I'm, cool. Texas is actually awesome. Um, <laughs> now, we've raised our kids in New Jersey. Nick, Mike, and I all share that. Um, Don, I assume, I'm sad I mean, to not. I'm sad to yeah. not. Like we, my wife I'd and I are always like, like, she's a Jersey oh, girl. My kids from California. Oh, what a bummer. yeah. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> I'm bummed about that. Legit. I'm like, I wish, I wish she was a Jersey girl. Of course. Talk to me about why. What do you think it is? Like, so the question, it's layered, right? First of all, we're all defensive about why we have chosen to raise our kids <laughs> here or want to raise our kids here, and also what. Why? Like in San Antonio, they think of Jersey, they go, that's a nothing place, but I think they're wrong. So anybody want reaction? Anybody have reactions to either of those points? <laughs> I mean, I think the thing you, you tell your kid about growing up in New Jersey is you're always going to be the one running the con. You're never going to be the rube who gets conned. And that's a really <laughs> valuable thing about growing up here. So, you know, the other 49 states in the U.S., you know, they're probably not in on the con. They're the people who get scammed at a carnival where we're the people running the carnival. Hi, everybody. Chris here. Pardon the interruption, but we got some quick words from our advertisers. First up is Parkway Colognes, as you know. Colognes available at finer rest stops up and down the Garden State Parkway. Happy to tell you about some of the scents they've been brewing up. Combining notes of tariff reform with the unmistakable scent of Bayonne and finishing with just a hint of diesel exhaust, Eau de Grover Cleveland brings the rugged scent of post-colonial New Jersey into the 21st century. And for women, there's Molly Pitcher, a fresh scent brewing with overtones of Passaic River water, brimstone, and the unforgettable fragrance of cannon fire. For ladies or anyone who isn't afraid to take charge and fire at will, Let's not forget our classic scent, Driscoll Bridge at high tide during the summer. Combine the smell of algae blooms, rotting fish, distant factories, and burnt rubber in this tantalizing blend. Parkway Cologne, 
where the armpit of America meets your armpit. Available at Parkway rest stops everywhere. I love this town. I love this town just like loving a hamburger on a sesame bun. Yeah. A lot of people say Jersey's nothing but pollution, which gets us mad, even though it's true. Coming up next, me, Mike D, and Bonaduce are going to spill the real dirt. There must be something in the water in West Orange. I've reached such avant-garde kids are going to start shit. In parks where we spit arson and sparks flips. That's its county, America's armpit. Carnival. Oh, boy, that flea market. I bought a crossbow there. And I imagine it was sort of a two Roman legions charging at each other. Uh, Intertown fighting. Some people have been there in the middle of the night to whip pumas with belts. The last time I got in a fist fight, I threw a carton of Clinton's orange aid at a man's face. I'm going to take you to this terrible, crime-ridden city, and then I'm going to pull my pants down on you. No, I've never had a hoagie in my life. Or a grinder. This is like a weird vortex that doesn't apply to the laws of time and space, as I know. Hi, everybody. Chris Gathard here. Welcome to Wotown. This is, of course, a podcast about New Jersey by people from New Jersey. In fact, three friends who grew up, same high school, same state university of New Jersey. I don't want to say that we're authorities on the state, but I do think we all have a passion for it. Maybe even a downright obsession in some of our cases. Mike D., how are you doing tonight? Great. On Tornado Watch here in North Jersey. <laughs> my- Hoping the lights stay on so we can get this done. Yes, my power could go out at any moment as well. Nikki Bonaduce, how you feeling? Pretty good, pretty good. Stand out in most of the rain this morning, so now I'm just... In- we should also probably start with the uh, what's Nick eating this week update. It is a, tur- a turkey leg. It's a Viking style turkey leg like you would buy at a theme park. No, it's a, a wing. Leg. It's the wing. Oh, it's the big wing. It's Just the big wing. wing. Huge. A huge giant turkey wing. Okay. One of the things I've been enjoying as I organize the, uh, the outlines for these shows is I think, what do people think about New Jersey? What's that stuff that outsiders assume is happening here, assume is a part of it? And there's a topic that's pretty simple. People think it's dirty here. People think it's like a hideously polluted place. And I don't know how you guys feel about it. When, when, people, from not, when people from out of New Jersey give me shit about that, I do get very defensive because it's got some of the most stunning and beautiful places I've ever seen. That being said, it's also true. Where do you guys stand on this? Do you get offended? Do you own it? Where are we at? I mean, I don't get offended because New Jersey does have so many beautiful natural places. But on the other hand, I would never wear sandals or toeless shoes in any (laughs) part of New Jersey that is semi-urban or urban because your feet will turn black with chemical dust. I mean, and that's just a fact. That's not even me saying that to be funny. Within three hours, your feet will be pitch black and have a quarter of an inch of some kind of caked on muck on them from that part of New Jersey if you're in one of those urban areas. Now, Nick... Being that you do what you do, you go to a lot of job sites, you go to a lot of places that I would imagine are like teardowns, you must see up close and personal some real examples of of this. Yeah, I did a lot of uh, uh, Superfund sites in New Jersey for uh, remediation through construction services where they might take the soil out or replace it or put barriers around said contamination and try and trick the public into thinking it's safe and then putting residential properties on top of it. 
and telling you it's okay to live there. Now, it's, it's, it's funny that you should say that because the first thing I wanted to talk about tonight from personal experience is actually, uh, I don't know if you know this, my block was one of those situ- I, I I sit here going, I get offended when people say New Jersey is this polluted hellhole. I grew up on a literal Superfund site. This is not an exaggeration. When I was in seventh grade, the federal government came in. The feds, not the state, the feds, I believe. And it turns out, if you've ever read the book, The Radium Girls, it's a very famous book. Uh, if you've ever, like a lot of American history class in college, or certainly like labor rights classes, there was this factory in Orange that used to make watches. The watches glowed in the dark. The girls who were painting them were known as the Radiant Girls because they used to lick the tips of their paintbrushes and they all started getting cancer. Their jaws were falling off. Horrible, <laughs> horrible stuff. Ugh. That company took all that paint and dumped it in the woods in what would later become my block. And when I was in seventh grade, they moved every family out except mine and two others and dug the rest of the entire block into a giant pit where there were men in actual Homer Simpson suits. The highest level PPE, now that I know what I was looking at when I was a kid. It's funny you say that because you drive. I remember going to Montclair or whatever, you'd be driving through there and you would literally see people in like level four PPE, like totally like air, like full air supply, total encasement. And you're just like, ugh. But as I recall, if you were in seventh grade when that happened, that was the second time because they had gone through that neighborhood earlier than that, and then there was houses there. And you're like, oh, it's okay. Because I used to cut through there coming from uh, Main Street, used to take the side road over there and cut through that neighborhood to get into Montclair quicker. Well, now you're talking about two – there's two different sections. There was my block, oh, okay. which was a, a dead-end street. Right, it's a very like very darkly funny story what you're talking about as far as like wait they did it twice because so I was you're talking about the highest level PPA and then imagine me because my actual property didn't have any so me yeah. just a seventh grader walking to school no PPE <laughs> literally walking through it like it's like a Pac-Man maze where I'm going around yeah. irradiated pits they're dropping this dirt off in Utah and I'm just living it you're talking about Franklin Avenue no, Franklin actually, Ave, that's right. I actually lived on Franklin Avenue until I was five. But wow. Franklin Avenue, up at the end of Franklin Avenue, where it met Harrison. That's it. The story I always heard there was they put all the radioactive radium dirt in these big plastic bins, and then some asshole was drunk driving one night and hit them in a rainstorm, <laughs> and it all went back into the, the sewer system. Oh. Who knows if that's an urban legend, but that's why I heard it took so long on Franklin Avenue, was they had to do it twice because a thunderstorm seeped it all back into the soil. Yeah, well, it looked like E.T. They it had did. all the right. people in the suits and then the tents. And I always thought driving by, I was like, you know, if a stick falls off a tree, that thing doesn't look like it's going to be very safe anymore. But, I mean, everyone walked and drove through that, that area. And um, maybe I'm wrong about this part, but I'm pretty sure the people who live there, they had to move out, but they moved back in a couple of years later, right? Like they rebuilt stuff on top of that well dude that was the thing with my neighborhood it was like i said two or three houses that were there your actual property doesn't have radon so we're not paying for you (laughs) everybody else they put them up in hotels and they were gone for like a year and a half and they're all trailers on our streets and then these big giant trucks that were like i've never seen truck like trucks built to handle radioactive material would roll down my block they drive all this dirt out to an actual desert in Utah. Yeah. 
and I'd be playing on my front lawn and this would be the scene. And we always said, my dad used to grow these tomatoes that were as big as a human head. And we always used to laugh about it. And we found out about all the radiation. We were like, I wonder if those are radioactive tomatoes we've been eating this whole time. Wasn't there also, at the end of your street, Chris, a small polluted creek that people used to play in, which I'm assuming from this conversation was just filled with Uh, radioactive runoff and material because it was about 20 yards from where this site was. It's it's a well-known thing in the sort of uh, Lord's Tory Corner down the hill area, the brook. It runs behind my block, uh, down past Maple Street, under Our Lady of Lord's Church, then behind all the businesses on Main Street into Orange. And yeah, it is a a rite of passage that you climb down that wall into that brook. And I think all of us, I think every kid from that part of down the hill probably took a solid 20 to 24 months off their life by hanging out in that, in that pit. It's not good. So it is, people talk shit and I'm like, Hey, Jersey's beautiful. You can't make fun of us on that. And then I'm like, that being said, I grew up on a no joke certified super fun site. This is not an exaggeration. It's, it's literally, it's literally everywhere. I mean, even like um, the big, I mean, I've been on probably three separate like hazmat jobs in just Jersey City and chromium is like the big thing in Jersey City because uh, chromium was like, I mean, we were like, you would take up the parking lot and there's like a uh, yellow dust and like nobody's spraying this stuff and the chromium dust just goes flying. The old water treatment plant along 440, that, oh, that entire waterfront there, and they started putting uh, condos and like the big like river walk there. That was, I was all contaminated with like chromium so bad from all the factories that did the plating and stuff like that. I mean, before I got into heavy construction and I would go and do like um, the environment, we'd do like regular mapping. We'd have to pop the manhole covers like down in Jersey City, like near some of the old factory buildings. And you should see like the color of the water just (laughs) coming off of these sites. And you're just like, and these crazy calcium deposits of like blue. And we're like, I'm like, oh my God. God, like this is insane. Like when you, this is like a manhole, and then you know there's you know, streets right there. I mean that's nothing. I mean I was doing the mercury job up in uh, Woodridge. There was people living their houses backed up to this dump where that when they put the excavator arm into the ground and dug into the ground and pulled the dirt up, it looked like somebody broke a million uh, thermometers because of the mercury that was in the ground. So what happens? Uh, and I find this out because you go through training and all this other bullshit. But mercury like vaporizes at like eighty something degrees. And it's the middle of summer out there, and they have these sensors along the fences, and they're all going, beep, 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 beep. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter. You can, like, spray. Like, they'll have aerated, like, water being sprayed. And I was, like, full-face respirator and, like, a Tyvek suit, but I didn't have to have anything else. It wasn't, like, supplied air. But uh, so they decide, oh, my God, we have to keep these gases down. So what are we going to do? So we're going to cover all the fresh dirt that you just opened up with black lining, like poly. They call it black poly, big plastic sheets of blackness, right? So they throw that in there and they start spraying it with water on top. So fucking morons, now you just superheated the fucking ground and the 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 chrome the, the gas and the mercury is so bad that people are like freaking out and there's people coming out looking by their friends and I'm standing there in like a mask and they're five feet away from me. I was like I'm like, go back in your house, get in your car and leave. Like you shouldn't be breathing this stuff in because it's such a terrible like neurotoxin. These people have been living there for years. You know the best part about it? Leave. This guy this get guy in your owns, car and leave. This fucking guy owned a warehouse in the middle of this fucking place. So his concession was the government comes in and they're like, listen, we're just gonna buy you out. We wanna demo this warehouse and like, you know, here, take all this money and leave. He's and he refused to do it. So now 
He owns this piece of property. You know what they did? They drove sheeting all the way around his warehouse, like around the entire thing. It's like it was my entire job. They do a containment unit around there to lock in, and then they go in and they do by these corings. They figure out how deep they're going to dig to get just enough of the contamination out of the ground so that this factory can still be there and function. And then they cap the entire site with concrete and and, and metal sheeting in the ground. Right? These people are still living right here. Like they have no idea this shit's going on. It's fucking terrible. So this guy was such a stunad that he wouldn't like sell his property, so that they could just clean it up properly. Instead, he has like a contained cell with his warehouse on top of it now. And that was like you know that's around all these people. I mean, there's contamination everywhere in New Jersey. And like I love Jersey, and like you don't want somebody else making fun of New Jersey. But like you said, it happened on your street. It's it's around you all over the place, and only the worst worst cases are the ones you hear about. Like the like, regular contamination is even worse that you're not even aware of every day. In West Orange, I always heard there were the Edison factories, which were these abandoned factories on Main Street in our town, just these looming brown, falling apart buildings. I heard because Weird New Jersey's offices were in there, and I used to work at Weird NJ, and there was a stretch where the whole complex got shut down. My boss had been in there one day, and something was dripping from the ceiling, and he got this crazy rash. <laughs> And if I remember right, they used to make batteries in the Edison factory back in the day. And there was all this stuff just in the walls and in the floors and ceilings that started dripping through. So there's like a whole building infested with battery acid. And now those buildings are like high-end condos with all these amenities. Well, you know what they do with uh, like the brick face and stuff because they've been on jobs like that? So the contamination will go into the brick. So they have these special like kind of like power washers, blasters that'll actually take off so much of the top of brick because they still want to maintain that like brick look to it. They got like a whole thing. Or they'll go in there and they'll paint it afterwards. And all these companies sell this like, you know, special uh, molecular bonding like stuff that'll seal in the contamination within the walls. And that's like acceptable for whatever reason. And it's like there's more lax um, lax laws. Like if it's not going to be a residential zone, then you can get away with like, like a lot of these redevelopment centers will be like they call them brownfield sites is a big one in Jersey. They'll call it a brownfield site. So now it's not a super fun site. They'll agree to to clean up like just enough contamination to make it sort of okay. And as long as you're just working there during like a normal eight or twelve hour shift, you're okay. So your minimum exposure over time is like not as acute as if you're living somewhere. So then that's how they started reusing land in New Jersey. Like that's one of the mechanisms, one of the tools was having classifying something as a brownfield site. So now you can develop it, you can generate tax revenue off of this property and you know, remove an eyesore, even though you're still being exposed to something when you're there, whether you know it or not. Now, Mike D, you've listed some things from your experience in West Orange. Uh, the thing that jumps out to me the most that I am not familiar with is the Freon Fountain, which I, I can take a guess as to what that is, but I think I'd rather hear from from your mouth what the Freon Fountain entails. Sure, like uh, like all all good families in the eighties and nineties, we we had in abandoned air conditioner in our yard one one of the really massive ones i don't yes. think they even make air conditioners as big as this anymore and you know as, as nick can confirm probably what the the two main games we played as kids were war and ninjas which involved just 
fighting each other with real and semi-real weapons. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one day we were we were playing ninja, myself, Nick, my brother, and the neighborhood ninja, who of in course. our backyards were connected. Kinja, our, of course. Our, our, Kinja, our yard and the neighborhood ninja. So we had a bunch of broom handles and poles, and we decided the air conditioner would be a great ninja training device, right? Because when you hit <laughs> an air conditioner, it has that sort of like those aluminum fins on it, and it makes a mark. So we were just hitting this thing and watching it mark. We're going at it for like 15, 20 minutes. We're whacking it. We're doing our best, you know, pole spinning ninja moves. Then all of a sudden, the neighborhood ninja hits it really hard, and we hear pop. And a geyser, an old faithful of Freon, shoots. Like, because Freon air conditioner is under a lot of pressure. And I imagine we broke the line. And it shoots about eight or 10 feet in the air. And it spreads out. It's coming down <laughs> you, like a fountain. And so Nick, myself, my brother, oh my God, run, run. And so we all run to the other end of the yard to get away from it. And the neighborhood ninja runs underneath it and starts going, look, it's a water fountain. It's a water park. It's a water fountain. And he's dancing while this Freon is raining down on his head and he's getting soaked with it. And we're screaming, it's poison. It's poison. It's Freon. It's poison. And he just didn't care. It was dancing around in a geyser of Freon, like his own private. Water park. Now, Mike, you've also listed directly under Freon Fountain cooking hot dogs with WD forty. This does not sound promising. This does not sound good. It's a, a place that we used to hang out a lot, which actually is, I think, is directly related to pollution. We called it the woods, but as we've discovered when we were older, it was just an abandoned section of. Of, of junk with no houses next to 280 that was also severely polluted and there was all kinds of leavings left over from when they built the highway yeah. and we used to go back there and, and one spring one summer we decided to build our own campsite back there so we dragged chairs back there and we had a fire ring and of course if you're camping you need to have hot dogs so we tried cooking them over a fire but we could never really do it right so we said well you know what goes on fire really well is you take a lighter and you spray WD-40 and it makes a great flame so we take a, a, a sharpened stick put a hot dog on the sharpened stick one person would hold the hot dog on a sharpened stick and the other one would take WD-40 and a lighter and shoot the flame and then you'd slowly turn the hot dog and cook it and the first time we did this I ate the hot dog and I mean it tasted like burning oil as it is because right WD-40 is just burning oil and I knew immediately and said okay this is not a smart idea we're just eating burnt oil on hot dog. You know, I'm just going to go home and put the hot dog in, in the microwave or boil it. But some of our friends continue to cook hot dogs with WD-40. And they still might do it to, to this day. But that was, it seemed like such a great idea at the time. You know, you don't need to build a campfire. You just lighter WD-40, fry it up. You're good to go. I think, Nick, you were smart enough to know from yeah, the get-go that that was a bad idea. I always, I mean, I was, we were all young fire enthusiasts at the time so uh you know we knew our accelerants and uh i was thinking we'd just use it on the fire to get it started and burn off but like no they were like head on into just cooking over inferno flame of like terrible chemical death you know it was just it was a bad move i have to assume the neighborhood ninja was one of the people who went through with eating the wd-40 dogs 
Oh yeah, he wasn't going to waste a good hot dog, and and I think that it continued. Yeah, my brother as well was a big fan of the WD forty dog. (laughs) If you can't get the Jimmy Buffs, a WD (laughs) forty dog is the next best New Jersey delicacy. It is probably sad to say that based on the presence of Jimmy Buffs, WD forty dogs are the second worst grease experience on a West Orange hot dog. You could probably Jimmy Buffs probably gives them a run for their money health wise. Now, Mike, we mentioned the brook in my half of town. There's something listed on the outline that you guys would know about. I always heard about it. I feel like it was your section of town's equivalent, the hellhole. I always heard the hellhole, it was up in the St. Cloud area, right? It was adjacent to the McDonald's where I was employed. Well, there were a bunch of entrances, but that was one. Yeah, it was in the St. Cloud section. The McDonald's where, of course, you were forced to pick up a big duty with Grimace gloves and had to quit. <laughs> had to quit. <laughs> the very same. Oh, you mean the same McDonald's where your brother once walked through a dangerous blizzard to switch the sign to say 89 cent ape piss as far as what they were advertising? That McDonald's? But, but also the same McDonald's <laughs> where I won a television at the age of 14 in a McDonald's personal power training seminar. <laughs> One of the highlights of my life. You're the 14-year-old who wins. Do all the adults want to just murder you? Well, first, before they wanted to murder me, they tried to barter their prizes with me, which were, here's a 10-pack of free Big Mac coupons. Uh, (laughs) You know, here's five McDonald's sweaters, the nice ones that the managers wear with the (laughs) M is embroidered on them. I was like, no, no, I'm not not trained, I'm not trained. And then it just came to to threats, which is, you're 14. You have a TV at home. You don't need that. Give me that television. <laughs> and luckily, my my mom pulled up to pick me up from the training seminar at just the right time. And I ran and jumped in the car. And she said, what is that? I was like, it's a television. Where did you get it? I want it. I don't believe you. Just drive. And we drove out. And I luckily had that television and uh, very quickly discovered Twin Peaks because I had a television in my room for the first time. <laughs> So talk to me about the hellhole after those beautiful tangents. <laughs> the, the hellhole was a big sewer, a big sewer tunnel, as we say in New Jersey. No one correct <laughs> us. But uh, a, a sewer is that thing where water and runoff comes out. Um, it was in the St. Cloud area of West Orange. It was big enough that you could almost stand upright in it. Because a lot of the sewer tunnels, we were kind of aficionados. You had to crawl through. But this one, you could almost... We were sewer tunnel aficionados. Real connoisseurs of uh, the places where our pee-pee and poo-poo goes to the sea. Well, that's what I think we didn't realize, the pollution at the time, that we were crawling through a couple inches of toxic runoff. But the... The hellholes was one that a lot of kids, as a rite of passage, would say, okay, if you go in, can you make it to the first opening, the second opening? Because you could, as you went further and further into it, you could see the openings to the outside running along, I think, Northfield Avenue. Is that, that yeah, was sort that. of, it followed, followed the line of Northfield Avenue through the valley there. And so you could, you could go through there. But I mean, I imagine that that was just completely filled with toxic junk and you would come out of there, you know, completely soaking wet and crawling through all this filthy water, which seems to be a recurring theme when we talk about our childhood. <laughs> it's definitely go on through. a dry day. <clears throat> so, Nick, you've been through the hellhole as well. No, I've actually never been through the hellhole, but I, I'm familiar with what it is now because um, because of the like, storm structures and stuff like that. And I did work on um, Cherry Lane and they had the same type of structures running underneath the road, and then running the storm runner coming off of like um, 
um, uh, South Mountain Reservation in different areas. But there are some massive storm structures. So those are like built to to handle large, large volumes of like water, very large. Like we were used to like 24 or even like a big one would be like a 36 inch round. These were like real storm structures that were either cast in place or like dropped in, probably cast in place from the time era from that development part of West Orange. But yeah, they were, they were meant to handle large amounts of volume, but I did never went into the hellhole. I may have been to the entrance of one and that was it. You went into that really scary one in our neighborhood, though. The, uh, the one going under 280 that took yeah, brought you to the center was, of 280? Yeah, there was another <laughs> store that we used to explore. That, and this, this one you had to That was a neighborhood through. rite of passage. Yeah. 280, for anyone listening, is a legit major highway. This is not a county road. This is like a gigantic highway. There were tunnels under there? Well, the yeah, storm, so, yeah, there was a giant, um, like, uh, aqueduct, or not aqueduct, but like this concave run of concrete from the top of the mountain on 280. It ran along the ridge line uh, going down just out of sight from the roadway and it ran down to a culvert which had this massive it was well it wasn't massive but there was a brook and there was also this culvert and they ran they ran down this hill but at the end point this pipe if you followed all the way through brought you to the center of 280. And it was at like the low point of 280. So when you got to the main structure in the center, and like, I mean, I'm telling you, I do like this. Is, I've done this for a living for like 15 years now. And to this day, I've never seen a structure fabricated like that where you had um, <laughs> these pipe inverts coming in at so many different elevations and so many pipes coming into one location. So this was the focal point for all the stormwater coming down 280 off the roadway and then off the side of this mountain. So it was like the same thing. I was talking about don't go in there a day after it rained or something like that because the, the water, the volume would be too high. You wouldn't be able to make it in there or it would be, actually be dangerous. I mean, it was dangerous anyway. But when you're going through the pipe, you realize that, oh, my God, like I'm going directly under 280. And you, you just hear the You can feel the vibration. Like you just hear this hum. And like knowing what I do now, it's probably it was probably only, you know, 36 inches underneath like the highway, that's usually you know depending. And they don't go any deeper unless they have to to maintain a slope because they gotta they gotta get the water to run. So, but, uh, but yeah, it was uh, you know you're so stupid when you're a kid you don't know any better. You know, what I mean? so you we guys got trapped were, in there. Nobody's getting you out. You're crawling through tunnels where there's if there's a car accident, it's three feet above the top of your head, and if it drizzles, you drown. Definitely. Pretty much, yeah. And it was it was scary too because like Nick said, you would crawl through this tunnel. And then that was one point of sort of childhood manliness. And then if you were really manly, you would make a left and you would go down this tunnel. And Nick said, and you basically came to this this open space underground where there were Huge. dozens of sewer pipes from all under the highway. It was high. It went this, from like the road. It was really high. And then it dropped. There was a drop. Like So 30, when we came out, it was probably another feet. like 10, 15 feet to the yeah. bottom. And then there was an out pipe that just ran like down the rest of 280 through the center lane of there's a median in 280 was running underneath the ground along 280. So if you had like fallen in there, so there's virtually no way they were ever going to get you out of there. They'd have to like tear up the road and pull the storm pipe out. And this is what you got. I love knowing. I love knowing that with the way you guys, what you did for fun could have led to a situation where the state would have had to shut down 280 to excavate yeah. a child. Well, we were, the worst part is like you got in left there, us. and then you're like, 
oh my god, I have to like turn around somehow, and like you're <laughs> hanging on the edge of like this structure under the ground. You're like, oh my god, I have to turn around, get back, go in the other way, and then you're like, you know, I, I don't know. I just like you just kind of put it out of your mind. Like, I don't want to be a pussy, and you think you do it, and then you come out, and then like we had, I forgot who it was, but somebody freaked out halfway through the pipe. So you had to go back in there and then like talk him out. Who freaked out in the pipe? I forgot who it was. We had to like talk him out and then try and get them to turn around inside the pipe. And I remember shimmying out like backwards the it, rest of the way out. It was the person you'd expect it to be. It was someone who one of their side hobbies was dressing up as a police officer when we were oh, much too right. old to that's be right. dressing up as a police officer. I gotcha. What? Yep. Yeah. Type Long it in story. the private chat. Type it in the private chat. It's someone I know, right? Maybe I don't not. Know. I don't know if you do or not. His actually, his. Well, I can't say that because you'll know right away. Yeah, you. Wait, was he in there? my grade? No, but no, you may have. Our but you may have uh, known somebody name. related to him. Yeah, uh, I do know that name. I'm going to type the name I was thinking of, who was a kid my age in your neighborhood, who I think <sighs> you'd go, "Oh, it's totally valid that you would think it was that oh. lunatic." <laughs> oh, maybe uh, but he didn't hang with us though. He was only. Old. He is a wild guy. We'd only recruit him for large yeah. neighborhood football and we tormented, games. We tormented him pretty heavily as a child. I would imagine. Now, Mike, you've also listed something I found quite intriguing, which is, and I don't know if this is part of the 280 tunnels, part of the hellhole. They're all bunched together. I just see the words, the flare room dynamite was found, which strikes me as a very New Jersey thing to leave as a bullet point. I, I bet Nick, w- I'll, I'll describe what this is because the time we were kids, we don't know, but I bet Nick knows what this is because he's, he's an expert on this, but back in the <laughs> woods next to 280, we were constantly exploring. And one day we found this hatch and it was a, a wooden hatch with tar paper on it. So it was really heavy. It took a couple of us to move it. So we moved this hatch away and there was a ladder. So, we left and went and got flashlights. We came back and we took the flashlights and we climbed down this ladder and it was just a big cement room. Really big though. I mean, probably, you know, a hundred feet by a hundred feet, really large space. And probably by the time you got to the bottom, the ground was 12 or 14 feet above you. And we're walking around it and we found road flares in there, which I, I imagine the guys, you know, the people building 280 at some point had used so that they wouldn't be run over as they were laying the highway. And we're down there and one of the kids that we were with, uh, a notorious maniac, lit one of the road flares down there. So immediately the space starts to fill up with horrible, toxic fumes. And we're all scrambling to get out, but we can't really get out because it's one of those ladders that's just, you know, it put into the cement wall, you know, sort of on a, on a ship. So we climb out one by one and he's the last one. And by the time he gets out, he's, he's noticeably dazed and is walking in circles <laughs> and slurring his speech and reeks like road flare. Cause he'd been down there for eight or nine or 10 minutes, breathing in whatever road flares generate. I, I have no idea. And then we went back there from time to time. And a few weeks after that, two kids that that we were friends with went down there and they found some dynamite 
that had been sitting down there that I, I imagine they used to blast the cliff, the mountains of 280 to build the road. And, and they were, oh, we got this dynamite. We got this dynamite. And even I, not one to shy away from it, it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Dynamite is one step too far for even me, especially because I even knew at 12 years old that from seeing cowboy movies, dynamite sweats, it gets old, it can just explode at any point. And uh, these two dingbats that we grew up with we're out in the woods trying to light dynamite one day and that was the day where i was like i got somewhere else to be i'm gonna go uh, ride nine miles to the taco bell in springfield on my bmx bike i'm not gonna be anywhere near this thing when it blows up nick is it common on job sites for people to just leave flares and dynamite in an underground chamber no definitely not anymore but um but yeah you know what's weird about that spot is as much as we were in the woods as we used to refer to them I guess anybody who has woods near their house to refer to them as the woods, but we go to the woods, like we didn't frequent that spot often uh, <clears throat> for whatever reason. But yeah, I imagine it was probably exactly what we found. It probably was a, a safe space. Because I mean, we used to go back there and literally 20 feet back from the edge of like the cut coming through 280 there, uh, coming from Main Street up, um, there's bla- there's old blasting mats, like huge, heavy steel um, braided mats that they used to put on top of the ground uh, and blast it out of. It's funny, like our our union's operating engineers, so we like oh we run heavy equipment and stuff, and uh, they had this like history page up with like old pictures of operators operating. One of the series of pictures was 280 being built, and these guys running the excavators at the time. This was like the 60s when they were doing this blasting. And I mean, if you look at the cut through that mountain, it's like. I mean, I don't know how high that is. It's like 150 feet. You know what I mean? Like, that was a lot of fucking... And yeah, interesting probably story. why you shouldn't have thrown... You know, theoretically, people shouldn't be throwing stuff off of those mountains no. onto the road below. Probably, theoretically. But it happens. Sometimes yeah, I imagine... Climbing up and down. Oh, my God. So, Nick, you were saying? Yeah, so it was... Uh, I mean, I guess it was common for the time period that you would probably had a dynamite room and you kept it kind of away from everything else. It was just far enough that it was probably accessible, but at the same time, like, you know, you could go over there and grab the dynamite you need at the time. But, you know, I work with guys who do blasting um, all the time, and they're notoriously um, um, the craziest people. They're all usually ex-military. And <laughs> I was talking to a guy who was directional driller. This is up in Sparta. I'm doing this power line project. And they're, they're doing uh, directional drilling. So I said, I was talking to him about like what he does. I said, yeah, they'll do it to like to set charges in the mountains. So they work with the blasters all the time. So this guy who was a blaster at one hollow, uh, was it, one Fourth of July, of course, these guys are fucking lunatics, steals like some dynamite. And like, you know, he's at the family party and they're blowing shit up. And he like blows off his brother's hand. So this is like in probably like the late 90s, early 2000s. And they said... Uh, like within hours of the incident occurring that the FBI and everybody was like there and they're like we they knew exactly what had been taken because they after the story broke loose they go to like the supply yard where they keep the dynamite and all the other explosives to use they knew exactly what the lot was and they had narrowed down to like four people that could have like taken it and this they they told the guy they gave him an option they said to my his brother-in-law he said like, you got two options. Like, uh, you either come back and you bring the rest of the dynamite, or you're going to fucking go to the Hooskow for, like, a long time. But, yeah, no, I mean, you know, going back to the, the 
dynamite thing. But yeah, it's, it happens and it's still out there. There's still guys blowing shit up on a regular basis, and it is a it's a known way of uh, you know excavating large amounts of hard stone. So. Last but not least, Mike T, uh, we talked about Radon. The last bullet point you have for the West Orange section of tonight before we go statewide, Parker Maintenance. Can't say I'm familiar with Parker Maintenance. So this was actually where I grew up before I moved to West Orange. But when we started talking about pollution, I just remembered that I grew up directly next to, and I mean, our (laughs) backyard shared a wall with a place called Parker Maintenance. It was a very large landscaping maintenance place and the entire back of it was filled with drums of every kind of chemical piles of who know what and my brother and i built a built the world's most dangerous treehouse back there um, and we used to climb up there and just watch them and there were it was just an entire empty field filled with spilled barrels of chemicals and <laughs> who knows what back there and you know, my parents never batted an eye. This is a completely residential block, very close to the Belmont Tavern. And uh-huh, there was just a field uh-huh. filled with chemical junk. And it just made me think that, you know, in the 70s and 80s, you know, pollution wasn't really a thing. Everyone littered. People just stored chemicals <laughs> on residential blocks. It was just the way things were. It wasn't really a big concern <laughs> li- like it is now. So I think maybe we just had sort of a... a a tolerance for pollution and chemicals back then that we don't have now, which is terrifying. So, I mean, we've talked about how we grew up. I grew up on a site where people had to wear hazmat suits on my block. These guys were finding chambers of dynamite, uh, uh, inhaling road flares that were left around. So the pollution thing, we can't argue it. It's all over the state. I, I wanted to, Nick, you and I had been talking once about, there's a documentary on HBO called man versus Ford, which is about Mawa there's, this is a very New Jersey thing I'm about to say. There's a group of people that have lived on the mountains in Mawa for hundreds of years, the Ramapo Mountain Indians. And uh, they live off the land, a lot of them. And they were told, you have to stop eating deer and squirrels and stuff. You can't hunt up here anymore. This area is so polluted with um, paint from the Ford factor that used to be here that if you eat the animal, eating the animals here could kill you. That's how polluted this area is. And Nick, if I remember right, you had done some work up there or you knew yeah. about it? Yeah, I was doing a, I was like, we did a lot of environmental mapping uh, when I first got into surveying. And uh, we'd gone up there and it was contaminated areas like, um, you know, uh, just a regular survey doing boundary and uh, we call it a topo. So you're going to show the geography of the land and any features that may be on it, structures or otherwise. So <clears throat> when you go up there, um, like I said, there was tons of people dirt biking through there and stuff like that. Very fine dust. But when you're walking around, there's these very polished, like kind of humps in the ground you would see on the property and also adjacent along the wood line. But like their property was bigger than what you would think it is. A, a lot of it wasn't used. It was just probably just, we'll find out later on, it was really just like legitimately like kind of a dumping ground for like the slag from the paint production. Um, so there was heavily leaded. At the time, so there was these big clumps of like lead that were just in the ground. They had been covered up with dirt, but because of uh, uh, recreational, you know, riding dirt bikes and stuff along these areas, 
they've been exposed. <laughs> so in our travels out there, we do different things. Like you'd locate um, wetland flags where there's natural water features, whatever else. So there's commonly, like when we would be out there, they'll have other people there too because there'll be like limited access. So we run into like an environmental scientist. And it's like his whole job was that he just either trapped live animals and then would like, you know, biopsy them and stuff like that. Or he would take the animals that he found that were dead on the ground and yeah, and do full, you know, full investigation, what they call. So his job is to walk around finding dead animals. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been on jobs where they have people, when I did that power line project, there was a guy who all he did every day was walk around and look for snakes and turtles. And the first thing he'd be like, see us out there because we're the fucking surveyors. We're the first jerk-offs out there. Like, have you guys... And I thought he was joking the first time this guy comes in. Have you guys seen any snakes or turtles? I was like, Jesus Christ, we're in the middle of fucking woods. Of course, there's fucking snakes everywhere, you idiot. Well, where'd you see it? I was like, over there. And the guy fucking runs over there and goes, look. So, like, I feel bad, you know. I was like, I was like no, seriously. I was like, because I didn't know... I said, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm one of the environmental scientists. Wherever you're going to be putting like an access road in, they got to have us there. It's like written into the thing for, you know, Highlands Preservation Act and all this other bullshit. So this guy was like, really? I was like, legit, that's your job. He's like, yeah. He's like, I document. He goes, I was like, well, I was like, honestly, I said, I just picked up a shedding from a, a snake <laughs> and, and I hung it on the tree over there. He's like, well, why'd you hang it on the tree over there? I was like, well, I was sitting there taking a dump, and it caught my, it caught me out of my eye. Literally, I was taking a dump in the woods. Like, I'm out in the middle of Sussex County, middle of fucking nowhere. I'm taking a dump, and I'm like, oh, look at that. It's like a snakeskin. So the guy goes over there. This is the best. I, I can't I forgot the story. I'm glad it came up. The guy goes over there, and he goes to fucking pick up the snakeskin, and he steps in my shit. <laughs> I was like, so I'm like, hey, did you find it? He's like, hey, he's like, we need to have a talk. I was like, oh, what's the problem? He goes, listen, he's like, I don't know if you're aware of this. I was like, what? He goes, you can't just shit in the woods. I was like, what do you mean? I just shit in the woods. He goes, I just stepped in your shit. I was like, oh, I was like, you know what? I totally forgot. I was like, I should have dug a hole or something. I was like, I was a Boy Scout. I know better. Like, you know. He's like, I apologize. Poor guy. He's got my shit on his foot. But he's still holding his snakeskin. So, of course, now, like, you understand, I'm on this job for, like, six to eight months. So, like, I'm doing, I'm, I'm like, I go in before anybody else goes in, and I'm staking these access roads. So there's no fucking roads. I'm literally walking through the fucking woods. I'm, I'm staking the roads. And this fucking guy is, like, on every single one. And, like, it's not like I would be in one area. I would, like, I'd run the line, but they would have, like, five or six different crews working at the same time. So I could be in northern Sussex County or I could be all the way down on the edge of, like, Essex County. And this motherfucker would be there no matter fucking what. So, like, I... More than shit foot. I know. And that was a running joke. Dr. Shitfoot. My my big joke to him every day was, like, I'd say, I was like, oh, man, I was like... I was like, did you step in something? He's like, fucking look now. I was like, I was like, every time I get him, I get him every fucking time. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, what were we talking about before this fucking You're talking movie? about the environmental scientist from Mawa. Oh, yeah, yeah. And what so, he was finding. Uh, he's telling us, like, he's he's getting these groundhogs, and there's fucking, he goes, it's an unbelievable. He's They, they all hit a certain age, <laughs> like maturity. Um, and I guess groundhogs, I don't know what their lifespan is, but these would live like a year and a half and they would just die. They, and we just find them like, he's like, they don't die in their holes. They just like come out and they like die. And when they do the biopsies, their bodies were full of tumors, like completely full of tumors. Oh, God. So, you know, people are, like you said, the, 
the uh, remnants of the Lenny Lenape tribe living yes, upon yes. the, what do they call that, Thunder Mountain. There's also a shotgun range over there, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, but, it's a contaminated, definitely a contaminated area up there. And uh, as, think- as if those people didn't have it hard enough, you got to eat tumor-ridden groundhogs. Yeah. It's brutal. Brutal. Uh, I want to talk, if we're talking pollution in New Jersey, I feel like there's one thing that we all heard of growing up. It was widely known, I think kind of nationally infamous for being the most polluted river in the country. The Passaic River was a thing. I mean, that's one of these Jersey things, right? Like we all knew growing up, you, everybody heard of Action Park. You all knew Fountains of Wayne as a landmark and you knew Passaic River, bad news. This was a well-known thing. I mean, it smelled. It, it had an awful smell. I remember when, when I was a kid, we would often drive across the Passaic River to, you know, going from Newark to to Kearney to the land of time for God, or um, there, or you'd go to the Arlington Diner and you'd have to cross over the river. And right before we got to him, my mom would be like, roll up the windows, we're about to cross the river. Because if you didn't, I mean, and this isn't just like, oh, there's a slight waft of a foul odor. I mean, it was like a, it would make you heave. Yes, and you'd be choking on the entire, smell. entire area on the river on either side. I mean, it smelled really bad, especially if it hadn't rained in a while. I mean, yeah. it was really foul. And I, I imagine it's just because of all the decades of just dumping whatever people wanted into the river. I mean, I knew people who grew up when they they're wanted still, to get rid of they're, furniture. They're they would just they're still dump actively it in the river. dumping in those areas. Like, um, we were doing staff gauges out there for the, for the height of the river. Again, another like environmental mapping thing. And I fell into the Passaic river. No. Oh my God. This is the worst. And like, I was, <laughs> no. I was fat Nick then. So I was fat Nick. So I was like, you know, and it just rained. So, <laughs> I'm like, I'm doing like a level run. My buddy's oh, no. running, running the level. I have the rod and I have to get out to this staff gauge. And the staff gauge is literally two feet out into the water. And I just literally have to go off the bank and just like reach over there. I just have to like put the rod on there. <laughs> so like Fat Nick goes over to the edge and like I'm pretty, I was still pretty like nimble and could move and whatever. But um, so Fat Nick goes over there, and of course it just rained the night before, and the the <laughs> bank was just rounded and muddy, and I'm like, poof, and I fall in, and like thank God the staff gauge was like a, basically a piece of rebar driven down into the side of thing, so I just missed that thing going straight up my straight up my ass, and I <laughs> I get to the edge, but it's like instantaneously it just drops to six feet. So at this point, I'm holding on to the bank like this, and I'm up to my I'm up to my neck, and I'm like, oh! so Dave, the guy was, he's like, oh my god, and like he runs down and he's trying to like pull me out, and I'm like, oh, it's like I'm just gonna have to like swim down a little bit and get out where I can climb out. So I do that as I'm swimming down. I just turn my head to the side, and there's a huge like pipe coming out, <clears throat> and it has a cage on the end, so it's big enough that like somebody could actually get into like. I guess it would bring you directly into the plant that was right there. But it had a permit right next to it. Like, discharge permit allowed for blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking at the ground. I'm like, all the water is, like, foamy. Like, everything's foamy. And it's brown foaminess. And it's not, like, brown foamy. You're at the beach and there was a storm and there's foamy surf. This is, like, whatever the fuck's coming out of that pipe I'm swimming in. So I come out. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, and I'm standing there. And it's not, like, cold. It's, like, a nice spring day. And Dave's like, oh, my God, are you okay? He's like, you didn't get anything in your mouth. I'm like, no, I didn't get anything in my mouth. I was like, 
squeezing like my legs are like tingling. I'm like, <laughs> no. I was like, damn, that's so weird. I was like, my arms and my legs are tingling. He's like, come on. He's like, you're probably contaminated. He's like, what are we going to do? I was like, so I was living in Belleville at the time. I was only like 10 minutes from where I was working in Clifton. Right on the edge of the I was like, damn, we're getting the fuck out of here. Like, I drove back. <laughs> I drove back to Belleville. Uh, my friend owns an electrical contracting business, and I have the building next door where I'm renting my apartment. I'm in the driveway of his business. Like, there's like all like uh, electrical goomba fucking workers there, and I'm taking my clothes off. And Fat Nick is on Washington Street in Belleville because you don't want to bring him in your house. Yeah, right? I'm like, oh my god! It's like I drove all the way home like this <clears throat> in my car, so I'm like, my car is probably contaminated, or whatever. But I swear <laughs> to God, I just remember going in the shower and just like this filth coming off of me. But like my skin was like numb for a day. So like, who knows what the fuck? And but that goes right into the Snake River. And the Passaic River is a source of drinking water for like a lot of Essex County. And Budweiser, <clears throat> Budweiser uses the water from the Passaic um, River. And I talked to a guy there when I was working, and he told me that that Budweiser plant has the best, highest quality water out of all the Anheuser-Busch um, uh, breweries in the entire country, that they are the highest rated, that whatever purification process after they get the water from the municipal water supply from you know the Passaic River or whatever – is some of the best water for brewing beer that is like for all of Budweiser in the whole country. So I'm proud to drink. It's probably already beer fermented. from the Passaic River. This beer is from the Passaic River. It's probably already fermented as they drag it out. It's probably already alcoholic. Maybe, but they have some very strict like standard for um, you know the pH and everything else for whatever they they like. <clears throat> Now, Mike yes, Dean, I- Nick fell into the Passaic and said uh, his body was tingling for a day. <laughs> I understand that you <laughs> fell into the Hudson River along Jersey City. Do you want to tell us about the medical effects of that experience? Sure. Uh, I, I have a good friend who at the time lived right on the, the waterfront in Jersey City. And uh, a couple of us were, were hanging out on the rocks, on uh, which I imagine you can't do anymore for security reasons, on the jetty sort of near the Colgate sign. And... We were messing around, and and I was with a girl who I knew, and she thought it would be funny. She was like, oh, don't slip. And she pushed me, and I slid down the rocks completely unaware and fell into the Hudson Water, or Hudson River, underwater. And I remember swallowing a huge mouthful of river water. And I came up out of the water, and they were like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to push you. I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'm okay. Uh, So he lived right you know, like a, a block away from there. So we walk back to his place and I go back and, and I borrow a set of clothes and I take a shower and get changed. Um, and we sit down to watch a movie. And about an hour after this happens, I start to feel really hot and weird. <laughs> and I say to, to my friend, I'm like, do you mind if I stay here tonight? I, I really don't, don't feel good all of a sudden. They're like, oh, you know, you probably were having too good of a time. I'm like, oh, okay. So I immediately go to lay down, and as I'm going to bed, I go to get changed. I borrow pajamas, and I go to get changed, and my entire chest and torso is covered in a bright red rash. I mean, the reddest rash you can imagine. And I go out to my friend and him and his wife. I'm like, there's something wrong here. And they're like, yeah, there's something really wrong. Like, take take your aspirin and see how you feel. In the middle of the night, I'm burning up. I have a fever. I have this rash everywhere. So the next morning, 
I go to the hospital. I, t- I jump on the path and I go to the hospital. I would go to the, to Beekman downtown. I go in. I'm like, oh, I got this this rash. I fell in the Hudson River. A doctor comes in. They do all these tests. The doctor's like, I have no idea what is wrong with you. He's like, you have a fever and you have an infection and you have a rash, but I don't know what this is. Oh my god! So they keep me there for a couple hours. They're doing all these tests and and they can't figure it out. And so they give me a bunch of antibiotics and they send me home. And I had that rash for two and a half months. And I mean, it, no. it over, I'm not kidding. No. Over, over time, it got slowly smaller and smaller, but it was a good two and a half months. I mean, before that happened, I mean, there's a second coda to the story where I don't know if I even want to like go into this. We may have to, to put an edit point here. So I, I do that whole thing with the hospital and they get, refer me to a specialist. So, a couple of days later when I'm feeling like I, I don't really have a fever anymore, but I still have this massive rash. I go to see this specialist and he gets me naked. I'm sitting on the thing. He looks me up and down and, you know, and, and for full transparency, it is all over my penis, balls, everywhere. I mean, the worst rash you can imagine. So he looks at me and he's like examining me and he goes, you have herpes. I'm like, what? I'm like, how could I have herpes? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm telling you, I've, I've seen this before. You definitely have have herpes. I'm like, you can get herpes from falling in the Hudson River? And he's like, no, he's like, you probably got it from sleeping with a lot of people. And so then he does. So I spend like three and a half months going back and forth thinking I have herpes. My friends who are with me that night trying to be good friends, they signed me up for a dating site for people with herpes. <laughs> so I end up going out with all these people who actually have herpes. And then, like, fast forward a few months later, after going to like a million more doctors and having all these tests, and, and including flying to Syracuse to sleep with a college professor who I met on the dating with herpes website and we hit it off. But then I find out three months later that I actually just had shingles and that the doctors didn't do a good job of testing me and that probably falling it late, that shingles is something you have latent in your body from when you're a kid. But that sort of triggered it off to me. So my fall to the Hudson River actually led to a multi-month odyssey that involves plane trips and rashes. Then do you have to sit there going, well, now I've slept with all these people with herpes? That's exactly what happened. I was was hanging out with somebody who regularly paddled on the Hudson River and they had pictures of them with like their legs in the water and everything else. And they're like, let's go paddling. I was like, no fucking way. They're like, why? I don't like to paddle. I was like, I'm not going to the fucking Hudson River. And they looked at me like I was fucking crazy. They're like, oh, no, they have a whole thing. It's in Jersey City. You go down there. I was like, yeah, I know. I was like, I get it. I was like, I'm not going to the fucking Hudson River. I was like, I was like, all like the storm runoff goes in there. And like what people don't know is that when your sanitary becomes inundated, especially in Jersey City, guess where the first place the overflow goes? Right down the fucking storm and into the Hudson River. And it's allowed by law. So – like you're talking about, like, let's say it was a heavy raid day or something like there's a good chance there's probably like E. coli or whatever else just normally in the fucking water. And this person was trying to sell me like, oh, they do the swim across the huts. And I was like, yeah, that's like Navy SEALs. Like they probably have ways of like they probably get shots for that stuff. But that that thing, whatever you got in your system probably just <laughs> broke you down. It probably destroyed your fucking immune system and, and let the shingles come out. 
But uh, yeah, I don't see it as a recreational thing. I'm not going on the Hudson River uh, unless I'm in like a boat or something. And I've done that a couple times. Uh, I never went from completely healthy to completely sick that quickly in my life. It was 90 minutes. I went from 90 minutes to like having the time of my life to fever and a rash that looked like something from the Mütter Museum in Philadelphia. I mean, it, it was mad. <laughs> yeah, like every single person who spits on the ground or walks their dog or whatever, they spray on their yard and it rains and it goes down to the storm and that's what you're in in the Hudson River. You know what I mean? I've, I've never fallen into a polluted river uh, to the best of my memory, but I did, me and... Two idiot friends of mine. We did take a plastic raft down the Passaic River, and it was you know you're like, I mean like sections where you're really paddling and it feels like the water's like like thicker and sludgier. No, it was we bought it. We no, we bought it at a toy store. It's the same one that me and and Franny took down the DNR Canal and almost died in the middle of the night paddling down a culvert. Uh, But here's the other thing about the Passaic River, and this is off the topic of pollution, so we won't dwell on it too much. There's also just, like, people back there, Mm. like river people hanging out back there. The more you go up the river, yeah, it gets a little bit more rural. You probably... There's also the factory that made... um, uh, Speaking of the Passaic River, one of the biggest, one of the largest Superfund sites in New Jersey was along the Passaic River where they used to create Agent Orange for the Vietnam War. was produced in Newark. And that that entire site, I think up until 2018, because uh, the last time that I might have gone down, uh, in there and done like monitoring and stuff like that, was a major like um, they 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 actually went in there dredged and they have a whole dredging plan of how much material. And there's the big fight of that is like, well, did you go in there and disturb the sediment? It's almost like self encapsulated at this point by like river sludge on top of it. But the Passaic River has to be like navigable. So they had to maintain these channels. So they had to go in there and like remediate the riverbed. But that contamination, the way like I guess the dioxins, that that's like the main oh. bad, really bad thing is the dioxin in that. It's Those just, are the ones they say are going to kill all of us. Right? Yeah, well, there's the dioxins are going to get them like off? fuel. Like every single gas station is basically you'll see them go in there and they'll they'll take a bunch of dirt out and put new tanks in and everything like that. Those are all forms of remediation. But the problem with di- those dioxins. Are that they're like the heaviest elements. So every time you dig down, the the risk of further contaminating or spreading that contamination gets worse and worse. But it had been so pervasive there, it had contaminated the whole entire riverbed, and then with the natural flow of the of the Passaic River had spread it further and further. The same thing with Kodak up in New York and Albany. There's from from Kodak and Albany all the way down to um, along the coast of Bergen County in New Jersey, there's contamination from what Kodak was dumping in the rivers there for years. And if you go and you, there's a lot of people that recreate on the Hudson River and, you know, in the nice areas near West Point and, you know, uh, Hudson, all that other bullshit. Like if you, if you're over there fishing, you'll see signs like do not eat the fucking fish because, their whole plan was it's been an ongoing Superfund site also where they're going and they're remediating the bottom of there and they put silt fences up so the contamination doesn't spread. But, you know, don't don't eat any – don't fucking eat anything out of the rivers. I mean I used to see people <laughs> – like when I was talking, I was on that bridge and uh, doing – over the Hackensack River right by the rock, the Prudential Rock that everybody spray paints and stuff like that. Yeah. I did the redecking on the bridge there. It was one of my first bridge jobs. And underneath there, the EPA guys – I don't know. I'm not sure if I mentioned this before – the APA like guys and the, and the wildlife management they used to have to constantly monitor underneath this bridge 
because there was people bow fishing, regular fishing, and uh, and and they would take the food. It's like a huge estuary down there, but they would tell them like everything's contaminated. Don't fucking you can't eat anything here. And these people, you know, they're gonna <laughs> if you're fishing under a bridge in the Hackensack in the middle of fucking the Meadowlands, like chances are you're not doing it for sport. You're like actually gonna take the food and like eat it and like feed your family. Well, we've been talking for a while. This is cut deeper than I imagined it would have, honestly. I had no idea we were going to hear not one, but two stories about people falling into heavily polluted <laughs> I waterways. I can't believe you've never fallen into a polluted waterway, Chris. Uh, I'm, I'm a little shocked that this is. Does the Jenny Dunkel pool count? Or no? Yeah, maybe the town pool. I mean, there was the phantom shitter. That could be an episode all into itself, a mysterious man shitting on the deck of the Jenny Dunkel pool in West Arch. I'm trying to think if I've... Uh, I mean, I paddled down the Passaic. All the weird New Jersey stuff, you would think I would have, but I can't, nothing, no stories like that. No stories where I, I woke up and had a rash that I had to worry, was it permanent? Or where I fell into a river that gave me a sexually transmitted disease. Like, that's <laughs> never anything like that. Now, we've had fun. We're allowed to, but people do malign New Jersey for this. So we're going to close out player game tonight. Before we do, though, I just want to take a second for each of us to quickly... Uh, just name a place that goes against this stereotype because we have absolutely proven oh the God. truth of it beyond what anyone thought. So just one place you think of that's the opposite of that in New Jersey because there's endless amounts of stuff that's also not... Uh, there, there are a lot of places where you can eat the fish. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And they look nice too. Any, any shout outs you guys want to endorse as far as some of the more beautiful natural parts of New Jersey? I'm going to have to go with... Uh with Stokes State Forest, which is exceedingly beautiful, quiet, and pristine. Uh, and also High Point, which is, as it does what it says on the tin, the highest point in New Jersey, which is also beautiful. And I don't think people would realize that that is in New Jersey when people think of, I mean, all people, I mean, this is the most stereotypical thing, but people, all they ever see is outside of Newark Airport, which is a awful industrial wasteland but there's so <laughs> many other parts that are <laughs> to be amazing. fair to be fair nick anything come to mind oh, natural yeah. spot i mean <clears throat> i'd have to say for me for somebody who grew up in you know uh essex county and uh, living in a fairly like nice town with lots of like beautiful areas to recreate like in west orange we really did have a lot of a south mountain arena eagle rock reservation like we were lucky to have those reservations in our towns and that was beautiful in a suburban setting but as I've moved south, I've really gotten to appreciate, I would have to say, like, um, the Pine Barrens and, like, being in Southern Ocean County. I really love the fact that I can be at the ocean and also have this, um, you know, awesome, like, woodsy kind of experience with its own culture uh, surrounding it. But, yeah, I love, love Barnegat Bay and, and the Pine Barrens. It would definitely be, like, the opposite of that, just and seeing this, you know. Even though even though at Barnegat Lighthouse you're in the shadow of uh, the oldest or used to be the oldest functioning nuclear power plant in New Jersey. Perfect. Uh, Perfect. But uh, it's you know Shout it's, just, it's the Bay. duality of living in in New Jersey is that uh, you know you have the best of both worlds. It's like you do have this terribleness that's everywhere because of human progress and the fact that people have lived here, you know, since the beginning of our country and industry has been here so. Industry's made its mark just like we make our mark, but Mother Nature still uh, is still there, and you don't have to look too far in New Jersey. 
I want to go ahead and endorse. I, I live in Morris County now, not far from Somerset County, and I feel like I, I luckily stumbled into an area of the state where I'm like, this has got to be one of the most beautiful stretches of the state. And uh, I don't know why, because it's not a very large park. But I recently visited the Hacklebarney State Park, and I've been there a couple other times, and I just think it's visually beautiful. Hacklebarney State Park, you go out there, you go apple picking in Chester, and you stop by Hacklebarney State Park, you kill a couple hours, and it's just a pleasant day. Just a pleasant day. So, our game tonight, it's going to be simple. I, I already feel like just from the conversation about work stuff that Nick is going to have the clear-cut upper hand on this. I found a website it lists all the super fun sites in New oh, Jersey. Uh, also, let's the obvious question on the listener's mind. Yes, New Jersey does have the most super fun sites out of any state in America. Okay, let's just get it out of the way. Fuck. We you, call them fun. super fun sites. Yeah, yeah. man. We keep. It we real. also have the Toxic Avenger out of it, so we got yeah. something good out of it. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take turns. We're gonna just guess a town that we assume would have a super fun site in it. <laughs> I will search this website, and I will do a couple rounds of this. And whoever correctly guesses the most super fun sites, this site, because uh, Nick, I, I hope you might know. It I sounds think like I you might be know. disqualified. Well, it sounds. It, I mean, this is the EPA site. This is EPA.gov. Okay. So I'm not going there, but um, nobody else go there. Don't yeah. go there. I'm not. Um, believe me, I'm not that quick. This Keep is. Going. Uh, and and just so it's a su- super fun sites in reuse in New Jersey. Does that mean corrected ones? What am I looking here? Reuse, reused. I don't know. Um, some have been t- um, the way it used to be is like there was a lot of sites that were on the list and that got removed from the super fun list or, or may have been like actually reclassified. Uh-huh. I think is another way okay. of what they do to it. So but, that's the list I have. Is the uh, yeah, but they may have been remediated. I bet you that's yes. probably what it is. Either way, it's still it's uh, the game stands of guess a town that you think has probably had a super fun site, and I'll I'll uh, I'll go ahead and look it up, and whoever wins the most, whoever guesses the most wins. And then I was thinking for the punishment, although it sounds like we've actually you both have experienced something worse. My thought was we go, we get a bucket of Passaic River water. Ugh. Somebody has to put their left hand in it for ten full minutes, and then you're not allowed to wash your hand for twenty four hours, and you got to see what happens. That's hard. Ten full minutes. I don't think anybody wants that. I want it. Okay. We know you're gonna lose. So. Yeah. I'm. De- I lose every game. I mean. That's why I said. I'm that. gonna be don't like. Use, wait, yeah. Don't use your masturbation hand. Whatever you do. I'm gonna have a. Yes. That's why I said left hand. I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna go have, have a disabled left hand. I'm gonna be pranking Frito Lay with my right hand while wearing a Hulkish Strangler T-shirt. Uh. I do them all at once. One fell swoop. Just one fell swoop, get it done. <laughs> All right, who would like to go first? Guess a town that probably has had a super fun site. Uh, Mike D, maybe you'll go first, I'll go second, Nick goes third, because Nick, you probably just know a lot of them. Um, and again, this might not be fully comprehensive, so Nick, don't get mad if you're like, no, I know for a fact. But no, okay. no anger here. Mike D, you want to guess a town? I will start with East Nork. Separate from Nork. Hmm. East Nork. Okay, Home it's not of Top Steiner, the best diner. Oh, in so good. New I've heard Top Steiner is the oh, best. Mexican egg rolls, man. Oh, Those man, so that good. is. Not I didn't to even derail this. But Superman that is breakfast. The best Superman diner. breakfast. And is East Nork a separate town than Definitely. Nork? It is. Yeah. Is it part of Essex County? Go over the yeah, Clay Street Bridge. 
What is this you know, mysterious East Newark? Newark and, and it's a different municipality, not the same mayor or anything. No, it's it's a it's its own thing. It's its uh, own. I think it's like just industrial. A, it's like a Portuguese fiefdom over there. I don't know. I don't yeah, think there's actually ch- anybody who runs it. I gotta but check man, out the this top Steiner. I'll be oh. shocked. I thought that that's nothing but industrial. I sites. heard they redid the top Steiner. We gotta go over there. I uh, investigate. I gotta, we should absolutely oh, man, all I'll go, go together there anytime. I'll go so, there right now. I'll pick your asses up and go there. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. Mike T guessed East Newark. No points. I, I'm going to guess Edison, and it did come up. Uh, I'm not surprised by that. Edison's a sprawling place along Route One. The the Chemical Insecticide Corporation. I mean, that. How did they? Of course, the Chemical Insecticide Corporation has a super fun site. Edison, New Jersey, uh, 5.7 acre area, operated from 1854 to 1970, and yeah, groundwater contamination, extensive soil and sediment contamination, cleanup finished in 2005, uh, and it's now a it's now home to the Metuchen Edison Community Dog Park. There you go. See? Let your dogs run around. And uh, I am... a, ch- a children's playground and a butterfly garden. I know exactly where that is <laughs> really the chemical <laughs> yes. insecticide corp now home to the butterfly garden the butterflies won the insects won mike d so you are well aware of where this y- i am extremely well aware and i'm now crossing that off the list of playgrounds that yes. i will be visiting with yes. my family just don't Fair. eat the dirt there you'll be all right Okay, I, I vote that we do three rounds of this. We're coming up on the end of round one. I have one point. I am in the lead. This is a rare occurrence for me. Nick, uh, a town that you assume has had some super fun activity as per this EPA list. Oh. In reuse. These are remediated ones. Oh. Remediated ones. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I already said Jersey City before because I know it worked on them there, but is that like cheating? I feel bad. Should I say a different one? Yeah, let's say, let's say towns, City, towns that haven't been covered. Uh, uh, oh, well, this one I know too. Tom's River, I was going to say. That's Tom's a dead giveaway. That's a Sibagagi. River. The Sibagagi, yeah, you, you the beat me to it. Oh, it's my right. God. This, this is a 1,400-acre Superfund site. 1,400 yeah. oh acres. Yeah. You want to hear something funny? So I had a therapist years ago when I had to do uh, the weight loss surgery, and they had to like make sure you know, you're know you not crazy or whatever and you know that you can handle it because you know I'm not crazy or anything. So I go in there and I start talking to her. I was like, oh, she's like, I'm from West Orange. I tell her I'm from West Orange, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she's like, oh, yeah, I grew up in Tom's River, right? You know, right by. She's like, my entire family's dead. And I was like, oh, my God, that's terrible. What happened? So they were all contaminated. She's the only one in her family that didn't get some terrible form of cancer oh because they God. all had wells back then. She was an older woman, you know, um, in her, like, you know, late 50s, early 60s. But all her siblings had died from being exposed to the tap water that they grew up around that was coming out of the well in their yard from Sibagagi. And that's one of the things that like piqued everybody's interest at the time that, that there was so many people getting cancer in Tom's River in this particular area and they'd been pumping this shit out into the rivers for like years. Yeah, anyway, I'm sorry. So that was Tom's River. I can't use that one. Um, no, you did. I, that's totally fair. We oh, okay. hadn't talked about Tom's River before, so you and I each have a point. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, starting in 1952. The Sibagagi Corporation operated a resin and dye manufacturing facility yeah. in proper disposal. And in 1983, the EPA disposed of more than 47,000 drums of contaminated stuff. And now it's uh, they have high school environmental science classes there and wildlife surveys. 
And they uh, still, those areas are still, like, what they do is they put environmental um, controls in place. They call them environmental controls. And so what they'll do is they'll actively still pump the water out of the ground, treat it, and then pump it back into the ground mm, again. So it's mm. not, these, all these places are still active. It still costs money to, like, maintain them. But under these lawsuits against these large corporations, like, even if they're defunct, I guess they had to, like, whoever buys these other companies up, and their assets, they're now responsible also for the remediation. So, I, you know, a lot of those companies were like DuPont and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Round two, Mike D, do you have a town you'd like to guess? I'm going to have to go with Bayonne, Town by the Bay. Bayonne. Smart guess, but it's not on this list I'm looking at. No way. Man, well, my guess possible? My guess is that uh, probably not remediated, right? Oh, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, it should still be listed. Let or me it check. may not be a Superfund site. It might be contaminated, but not a Superfund site. Let me check Bayonne Superfund site outside of this list. I just assume. Oh, yeah, Bayonne 100%. The, ba- the Bayonne Drum and Barrel Company. It's under the Pulaski <laughs> Skyway. Uh, yeah, there's 8 million articles about it. Yeah, it's just not remediated. So we'll give that one to you. In fact, you know, I'm going to double check East North just to be a nice guy. East Nork I think you just fall just out. Um, the only thing that I remembered from there was that aluminum bat factory um, that burnt down, and I thought that was a contaminated site after that happened. But you might oh, just yeah. cross. It might just cross the border where you're in North Arlington at that point. When the old, it could when the be old a aluminum difference. bat factory burns down. Yeah, uh, I remember X-ray burns was. Yeah, very, yeah, he was talking about that. But he, about one that. of the things that X-ray mentioned is that it was a contaminated site. God All bless right. his soul. So, Mike, God we rest will, X-ray burns. We're going to give you that on Bayonne. I found another list of active ones too. So this uh, this helps us out. This helps us out. Um, so, Nick, uh, Mike, you have one point. I have one point. Nick has one point. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, if I remember right. Ringwood has a series of contaminated mines. So I'm going to guess Ringwood huh. and see if that was actually a... Uh, the Ringwood... I got it. I nailed it. Ringwood oh, Mines. Ringwood. Is that really what it was? Was it mines? The Ringwood Mines landfill site. And I only know it, sadly enough, because it's another area where the Ramapo uh, Indians live. So it's just all their areas, people just mess with them, man. Yeah, the, uh, the Ringwood Mines... The landfill site, it's a 500-acre former iron mining site located in Ringwood. Um, oh, what they do fill the shafts with garbage or something like that? F- Ford messed with that, too. Ford messed with that, too. And, uh, oh, wow. Here's a weird thing. I just randomly saw this that uh, I didn't, I guess, waste disposal so huge. I guess Vincent the Chin Gigante of the Genovese crime family threatened to execute a rival to secure the rights to dispose of Ford's paint sludge. Mm, there you uh, go. Joseph Jolie surprised me. You have to just point to Chin. That really? was his rule. I, yeah. guess, I guess the Gambinos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was related to the. Uh, Related to the Ford stuff as well. Ringwood. Okay, so I got two points. Mike D's got one. And uh, let me get back to that main list. Nick, would you like to guess your next one? Uh, I'm going to go south somewhere. Um, uh, it's like Cape May, New Jersey. I'm just going to shoot Cape out Cape May. Wow, Cape May, the idyllic borough. Yeah. 
of there's gotta Cape be some contamination May. down there, I guarantee uh, it. It looks like you are correct. It looks like there's something called the... Oh, no. No, 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 no. That's Cape May County. Cape May does not have its own. There's what about a, Cape May County? That you, it, there's a place called Middle Township. A township in Cape May County, but you said Cape May. I don't I think did that say counts. Cape May, yes, I will. Okay, so I does this point. don't that wait? Does this mean I'm in the lead? I I have two points, and you each have one as we enter our final round. Oh my god! I would say that that many so bed and breakfasts in one town counts as a super fun site. A contamination of bed and breakfasts. <laughs> Yeah, I would say that, that that probably counts. Yeah, That needs to be remediated. The EPA has removed 47,000 barrels of scones from Cape May in the last year alone. Contaminated scones. They're all just okay. bought heavily. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> Bed and breakfasts. They're just like, uh, you know, for getaways for... Romantic, romantic couples. All right. Interludes. Round three, I have two. So if you each... Okay, we have to discuss this because if you guys each hit and I miss, that means we're all tied at two. In a tie, I guess the big question is, does that mean it's a wash and no one puts their arm in a bucket of Passaic River water? No, we all do it. We all do, right? That's the New Jersey one. Well, now I have to win, so I'm going to pull out all the stops. I'll pull out all the the towns that I know. Well, I guess... guess, I'll pick out... I have a good obscure one. Good. Okay. I do want to ask this too, though, since we're breaking down the rules. What's do we want to delineate a specific section of the Passaic that we're pulling it from? Because like, you could pull it from Roseland in that section. It's going to be a lot better than if you pull it from down by Patterson. It has to be right next, right next to the bridge by the Arlington Diner. Okay, Clay Street Bridge. The Clay Clay Street Street Bridge. Bridge. So we're all going to go down there together with a bucket. We'll eat at the Arlington Diner, and then this has to involve watercraft of some sort. I have a kayak, so. Okay. Oh, maybe I'll get the Mako in. I'll bring the Mako up there. I'll trailer it up. Love we it. We can do Mike. a full tour. And my buddy has a marina on the Passaic. So, Mike T, if you hit, we could all tie it. If you miss, this means I'm <laughs> I'm good. And if Nick misses, you guys are tied. But I don't think that's happening. He's already said he's going to name an obscure one. Mike T. Your guess. I'm gonna have to. <clears throat> I'm gonna go with my my standby New Jersey answer for everything. Patterson. <laughs> okay. Can never go wrong with Patterson. Oh yeah. I am not seeing Patterson come up on this list. Oh come on, no way. Hold on. How is that possible? Let me double check. What's Patterson? Patterson's the what city? Border capital? No, that's a. Uh... Uh, home, of, home of William Carlos yeah, Williams. Well, what's Patterson's uh, Patterson's thing? That you I'm say? seeing uh, the Hathaway and Silk Patterson City. site Is it the Silk in City? Mansfield. Executive producer Carson coming through. Yeah, Silk City. Silk City. Some, I'm thinking the world makes it. Then trend makes the world takes. That's that one. Patterson Plank Road in Carlstad has one. Mm. I am not seeing any super fun oh, site in Patterson, oh my New God, Jersey. Mike D. Wow, I have officially not lost a game. Wait, let's see. Birthplace of Allen Ginsberg, also. Carson coming through there. I didn't realize that one. Alexander Hamilton was the one who made it into an uh, industrial hub. Yeah, the, uh, hence the falls. The falls were meant to produce power. 
that was going to be yeah. their, their power supply. I've had some weird times down that waterfall. By the way, that's a sin that they can't turn that into something that's like a tourist attraction. That's the most stunning I mean, it is a tourist thing. attraction, but it's like it's a national park. It's yeah. a national park, but the fact that they don't have like a train running from the city out there and like well, all sorts of get the, food. What's the best way to get the Patterson? Probably take a bus. Take a bus. Nobody's taking a bus from Port then Authority. You take your life to- in your hands. Exactly. You get the bus stop. Exactly. I have officially not lost a game for the first time. Mike D, I'm so sorry about your left arm. Is this bringing up PTSD for you as someone who once dipped your body in a river and was uh, and went on a a stunning adventure involving misdiagnoses? Is this bringing up PTSD for you? I'm not afraid of the Passaic River. I wow. mean, I grew up right there. There is no. I have no fear of the Passaic River. Just take a no New Jersey River pack before you me. stick your arm in that day. But yeah, pride cometh before the fall. We have audio of you saying, "I have no fear of the Passaic River." What's the worst outcome? Is I end up with like a hook hand? <laughs> <laughs> Could be worse. Oh, well, like my second guess, or my round three guess. I'm just going to randomly guess Atco. That's a uh, no, no oh, Atco. Western New Jersey. There's That's Echo, down the south, Echo right? Ghost. Yeah, it's like the Atco yeah. Ghost. I was actually sound off like the black horse or white horse. The one of those. Okay, Nick, if you miss, I die. You, you and Mike D are dipping your your arms together before we all go to the Arlington Diner. If you hit, it is Mike D alone. Okay. Where are you guessing? I'm going Roebling, New Jersey, and because it has an interesting historical background to it. Roebling. Yeah, Roebling, New R-O-E-B-L-I-N. Jersey. This is the Roebling Steel. Yeah. Is this the Roebling? Okay. Are you sh- and that's your final answer? Yeah, because I, I worked on that job. Now, Nick, according to what I'm looking at, the Roebling Steel Superfund site is in Florence Township. Oh, I called it by you, name. I apologize. Does that mean I lose? You got an actual Florence. Superfund site, but you miss uh, you mislabeled the town. The Roebling, which, yeah, I guess it was the Roebling plant. It appears but, that you oh, and Mike our arms have, to, have to climb under the Clay Street Bridge with a bucket, get a bunch of water, and then uh, stick your arms it's in it. It's kind of far I, there, too. It's like we have to bring ropes and stuff. <laughs> And the water moves swiftly through there. You can't like go down by the river. You know we're gonna end up at the Arlington Diner and be like, "Can I have uh, two to-go you know coffee we... cups?" And we got like thirty feet of rope. You know, where we... <laughs> you know where we can go. You know where they do the crew practice when you go over the bridge from Belleville. Oh yeah, right there. You can get down to the water easy over there. They got a little floating dock. I'll stick my arm in over there. All right. I stunning. But we go to the Arlington Diner first. I yeah, stunning. That was. I, we should go before and after. Yeah, let's do. We'll get breakfast oh, there. You man. guys go dip Superman your arms and come breakfast. back for lunch. Let's do it. Pancakes or French toast? Your choice of two meats, an omelet, and home fries or French fries. That's the Superman oh. breakfast. So you can an get pancakes. Omelet, not you can get like eggs. three pancakes, or you can get French toast instead. Your choice of two meats. I always get bacon and bacon. A cheese omelet, and you get home fries or French fries. I always go for the French fries. Oof. I can't eat that anymore, but I take a bite I, of each. I would die. That's why the Passaic River is so polluted. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is the ending of our episode right there. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that diner is so fucking good, though, man. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Tell your friends we're out here. Whether you're in Jersey or not, 
Let the people know what's happening. Something special is unfolding. Carson Cop does all the recording, producing, editing, mixing on Wolfton. Our theme music is Orange Water by West Orange, New Jersey's own GDP. Thank you again for listening. And if you need me, my suggestion, you drive out to Jersey, hit up Route 23, come find me at the Pompton Queen Diner. See you next time. All right, everybody, that was our stunning exploration of pollution in New Jersey. And I think you can agree, man. We've all up close and personal seen some stuff. I grew up on a super fun site. People got rashes. People fell into rivers. People stepped in human poop. Okay, if you heard anything here and it triggers a memory for you, or we forgot something, or you have your own encounter with pollution, or anything else, or if you're like, hey, they didn't even mention this, but I want them to cover it, 973-780-4660, leave a voicemail, we'll get to it, 973-780-4660, I'm recording. Sorry about that. Now everybody, we'll be back with the free show next month. Don't forget, if you want more content between now and then, you get five other shows. If you go to patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. Voices from the Jug Handle, Garden State, Gagoods, Jersey Dude Reviews, Jersey Food. It's all there. It's all waiting for you. Plus, a second episode of Wotown that only Patreon subscribers get. Here's a little sneak peek of what you'll be getting this month. Goodbye, everybody. I was too young. It had stopped just around the age when I was getting into going to shows, but I know you guys did attend shows at the legendary City Gardens in Trenton, which was a legendary place. So one of the coolest shows I've ever been to, we saw Rancid there. That was my first time there. Was it Was it as nuts as everybody said in there? This guy's like hanging from the sprinklers, like gutter punks, <laughs> like hanging from the sprinklers, swinging over the crowd, like that kind of shit. The, the first time we went there... I was probably 15 and hitched a ride with some older punk kids that we went to school with, you know, and I had my, you know, Ramones leather jacket on and, you know, I had a fanzine and I thought I knew the whole thing. And we got to City Gardens, which was in, I don't even, I guess technically it's part of Trenton, but it was in like an industrial outskirts. There was nothing around but garages and I went there and you would wait in line outside. So you're in this long line of hundreds of people waiting to get into the shows and we're waiting in line. And all of a sudden this woman gets stabbed in the leg and she's like screaming and everyone's going crazy and she runs away. And I'm like, Oh my God, that woman got stabbed that everyone's like, yeah. Then about 20 minutes later, the same woman comes back with like a t-shirt wrapped around her stab wound on her leg. And she's going up and down the line saying, Give me a few dollars. I just got stabbed. Come on. I deserve a few beers tonight. So she's like walking up and down the line asking for money, having just been stabbed in this same line. I mean, it was a nuts place.